Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Positive Podcast. Today is Tuba of, which is seemingly a minor full moon festive day, yet the Mishnah of Mesechtas Tainas states that there was never a day as festive for the Jewish nation as the 15th of the month of Av and Yom Kippur. And the Mishnah explains that on this day, or on these two occasions, the daughters of Yerushalayim would dress in white and they would go out and dance in the vineyards. And why did they do that? The Talmud tells us that whoever lacked a wife would go there to find one. In other words, the 15th of Av was a major matchmaking day and so was amazingly Yom Kippur. And the Talmud itself expresses astonishment that Yom Kippur is clearly special because it's a day of forgiveness and pardon. But what is the significance of the 15th of Av? And the Mishnah explains that there were five different um, joyous historical events that happened as well, which I'm not going to get into right now, but as well as the fact that the 15th of Av is actually 45 days in advance of Rosh Hashanah. And it's considered the date that we begin blessing each other for a sweet new year. And I thought it would be appropriate to host on this day an episode on the topic of marriage in honor of this special day. And that's what today's episode is going to be about. Today's episode is sponsored by Dina Shalman in honor of the yurtzit of her mother, Alta Shola Bas Shalom Shaya, a true role model who keeps on being a role model. Alta was a very special person who left her mark in this world. May her neshama have an aliyah, and may she continue to be a gutta better for her children, her grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Thank you so much, Dina, for your sponsorship. If you would like to sponsor an episode in honor of a loved one, or celebrate an upcoming special occasion, or just because you appreciate what we're doing here, please reach out on my website, apositivecoach.com, or you can email me at razel at jewishpeauty.com. In addition, if you're curious to hear about positive coaching, to figure out, to find out what it's all about, and to see if it's a fit for you, you can reach out through my website, apositivecoach.com, to set up your free consultation. In addition, if you could take a moment and leave a rating and a review on our podcast, we would be very appreciative because it really helps others be able to find our podcast easier. It only takes a minute, so pretty please. Thank you so much. So let's get into today's, let's get into today's episode. In today's episode, I sit down with two renowned Imago educators, Rabbi Pinney and Helena Herman, and we discuss and explore how Imago therapy can revolutionize relationships. So Imago therapy is an innovative and powerful therapeutic technique, and it's gained popularity for its unique focus on conflict resolution and communication in couples. And Pinney and Helena expertly guide us through the fundamentals of Imago therapy. They break down its principles and its techniques, and they really shed light on how Imago therapy can help couples better manage conflicts and it could help foster deeper understanding and cultivate real emotional intimacy. I really enjoyed this conversation with them. I think it was a lot of fun and interesting and I think you will as well. So sit back, relax and be ready to grow. Welcome, Rabbi Pinney and Helena Herman, to a positive podcast. It's really an honor and a privilege to have you here with us tonight. We've been talking about this for a few years now, and we had Helena on recently. It was actually not recent. It was more than a year ago or two at this point, and it was very well received, and a lot of people found it to be very insightful, and we thought it would be fun to bring them both on and talk about another topic, which is very interesting to all of our listeners. And I'm just going to read a little bit about Rabbi Penny 
So Rabbi Penny Herman was ordained at Yeshiva's Tamchait Mimim in Brooklyn. He received his bachelor's degree in rabbinic studies from the Rabbinical College of America, woo-woo, Marstown, and he earned a master's degree in counseling from North Carolina State University. For over three decades, the Hermans served as the spiritual leaders of Congregation Sha'are Israel and co-directors of Chabad activities in, the Raleigh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. During their tenure, they spearheaded a wide range of educational Jewish programs catering to individuals of all ages, fostering a vibrant and engaging community. Rabbi Pini and Helena were part of the first group of community leaders who were certified as Imago educators. Currently lead many relationship courses, teaching people how to improve communication. And the foundation of their work is teaching people how to take conflict and turn it into connection, using the conflict as a springboard for spiritual growth, which sounds very interesting. And I want, can't wait to hear more about it. So welcome, Penny and Helena. Thank you for being here. Thank you Thank for having you. us. So happy to be here, Rachel. Let's get right into it. So why don't you start off by telling us what led you both to become certified Imago educators and marriage coaches? You know, what attracted you to this particular approach versus other, mod, you know, modalities that are out there? And, and share with us, you know, a little bit about what brought you to this destination. Right. right. Well, actually, before we begin, I'd just like to mention that I don't know when this is going to be aired, but we are actually having this conversation on Rosh Chedesh of Menachem right. Ov, which is the art site of Arnakayim. Mm, okay. Who was the, you know, whose energy is all about resolving conflict and, uh, and, and um, loving, uh, loving one's fellow, et cetera, et cetera, which is obviously very important for this time of the year. And um, I hope that we can take the energy of Arana Koyen on this very special day and help a lot of people. Amen. Yes. We need more peace and more running after peace in our lives, in our communities. Okay, so. Absolutely. So what got us started with Imago? So I would say that our journey starts that when we were married, like two or three days, <laughs> we had our first major conflict. <laughs> Wow, and that was quick. That, that was quick. It was like two or three days into the Chevrolet, and we were, I don't even know what it was about, but we didn't know what to do with conflict. In fact, not at all. Penny ran to the shelf. We were in Long Beach, California. Parents rented us an apartment for the, for the summer. We were real, you know. <laughs> we had one marriage book. Right, one the river, book. the kettle, and the bird. It could be. Okay. It didn't address the issue that we were dealing with. It, it addressed right. lots of issues, but it didn't address us. It didn't help right. us. So we just fuddled along. And actually, somebody from the community I grew up in handed me a book called Getting the Love You Want. And I looked at it. It was by Dr. Harville Hendricks, who and he and his wife created Imago Therapy. And I looked at this book and it was so complicated. I was 19 years old and I took it and threw it in the back of my closet and it collected a lot of dust. But I was very curious about the book and I took it with me wherever we moved because this person was married to someone who had who was pretty opposite of them. And in the community, people would wonder how they stayed happily married when they had such different religious observances and things like that. And so I took it along with us wherever we went, but I really didn't crack it open until... Um, 10 years into our marriage. So we nabbed really for 10 years, we felt like we had an okay marriage, but literally had the same 
conflicts and arguments. You could write the script. It was it was it was the same script. And we did. We did the Mars and Venus was 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 going on for a while. We were we got into that. We tried everything that we, we could tried. get our hands on. Yes. And then one year at the Kinos, um, Rabbi Shmuel Stauber, Allah Shalom. And I'm so grateful that we had so many resources when we would come to the Kinos because we lived in a little town where we didn't have resources. There was no WhatsApp. There was none, none of this, right? And he spoke and he was talking about all these things about conflict that every single thing he was saying was nailing all my questions that I had. And so, you know, for example, he was talking about, um, his example was, can you imagine if a person broke their arm and then they had amnesia that they broke their arm. So they have no knowledge they broke their arm. And I come over to them and I nudge them and I say, hey, how are you doing? And I bump them with my elbow right in the spot that they broke their arm and they start to scream, ow, you broke your arm. And I'm like, well, no, actually it was broken before you arrived. And he was talking about how in marriage, that's what happens all the time, that we get triggered. I mean, now that word trigger is a trigger word, but we get triggered by things that happen to us that the person that we're married to really didn't do. It happened way before they arrived. So we have amnesia. We forget that something happened earlier because it's in our subconscious and we react to this person in front of us as if they did it. And 90% happened before we arrived here. That person only did 10%. Hmm. They're touching a wound that was already there. So, so then Helena comes home from the campus and she says, oh, I finally, I found it. I found it. This is great. And she explains it to me. I'd already gotten my, my master's in, at NC State. And as Helena was describing, I said, wow, this would be awesome if we could bring this to the community. Of course, I wasn't thinking about my own relationship. I was only thinking as, a, as every good rabbi would about the community, yada, yada, yada. So Helena, in her infinite wisdom, said, well, why don't you call Rabbi Stauber? Which I did. And I said, I want to bring this to the community. Well, thing, he said, well, you can't bring it to your community until you do it yourself. And I got stuck. Mm. <laughs> we have what's generally when it comes to these things is usually a schlepper and a schleppy. And Helena was definitely the schlepper and I was definitely the schleppy. But we flew up to New York for a, a two-day course. It was two, two Sundays. And um, we learned about Imago. And we haven't, we haven't looked back. I mean, it's been, it, it really, it transformed our relationship, transformed our marriage. And uh, thank God. It's, it's been it's really been awesome. Amazing. I love your honesty and your willingness to be honest about all this process. Can you just briefly explain what imago therapy or whatever you call it, I'm not sure exact term for it, and how it differs from traditional couples um, marriage approaches or different therapy approaches or different modalities? So um, imago literally means a mirror image. And the basis of Imago is that, like Helena was alluding to earlier, that we bring into our relationship a lot of baggage that we picked up, uh, especially as children, and um, that, we're, that, that we experienced from our, generally speaking, our parents or whoever our primary caregivers might be an older sibling, but whoever the primary caregivers are. And 
again, not to blame our parents because nobody can get it right every time. And sometimes what we think is right isn't right. But it does, you know, it, it does create a certain um, wounding, shall we, shall we call it. Um, and so then when we come into our, our marriage, um, things happen that remind us of that, that again, we, we break the arm, so to speak, or remind us that our arm is broken. We think that our spouse did it when really it's a, just a lot of stuff that we, that we kind of brought along with us. It's like, um, you know, um, you know, there, there's a saying that, you know, Yaakov thought he was marrying Rachel and he was really marrying Leah. And, and, and likewise, you know, they think it's Yaakov and well, there's a little bit of Asa there too, right? And um, recognize that, that we bring a lot into the marriage that we're not necessarily conscious of. So um, what Amago says is that we're actually looking for a spouse that represents or that, that personifies both the positive and the more frustrating elements of our parents. Hmm. The only difference is, is that parent-child relationship is not an even playing field, but with a spouse, hopefully it is. And this is an opportunity to rectify and to do a little bit, uh, yeah, to be misakin, to, to, to do some tikkun on some of the, some of the relationship issues that, that we're dealing with. Right. And imago means mirror, mirror image. image right. It means mirror image. And one of the other concepts is that, you know, I live near the beach, we're in Florida, and you can watch these guys trying to find gold or metal with these metal detectors. And you watch them and they're going along the sand and then all of a sudden they're ding, 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 they found something, right? So that's actually what's happening to all of us as human beings. We walk around in, with a computer chip in our brain right here in the front prefrontal cortex, or it could be the amygdala, I'm not actually sure, but there's a part of our brain that's walking around looking for a match, an imago match, a mirror image that's going to have the positive and frustrating things from our past. And the person that has this composite is who we're going to be attracted to and who we're going to choose to marry. Hmm. So we could recreate things from our past so we can heal them. So if I'm hearing correct, you're saying that there are parts of my spouse that the parts that I don't appreciate are parts of the, my parents that I don't appreciate? Yeah, there's something there. And it, 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 may, it may manifest differently, but um, so usually, for example, so Usually it's, they, you, you tell your husband, well, you're just like your father. You're just like your father. You're just like your mother. Well, that's the part of, like you, you know, you don't ever, I mean, I don't really hear a couple saying, well, yeah, that's, that's like my father. It's, it's usually, you know, your side of the family. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. you don't notice that. And, and it's also, it's a mystery because it's a, the brain doesn't know the difference between male, female. So it's a composite of the traits mixed in male, female, mother, father. So for example, um, I was sure, you know, and so we have our conscious list of who we're willing to go out with and date and who we want when we're going out and we're figuring out who we want to marry. And we have our unconscious list. So my conscious list was I was not going to marry a doctor because, you know, my father is a surgeon and he wasn't home a lot and I didn't want to marry a doctor. Well, guess what? Who did I marry? A rabbi, a rabbi who's and not home a lot. <laughs> yeah. And doesn't have a Porsche. And my father had an unlisted number. Now only people who are old enough to know what that is are going to know what we're talking right, about. Right. Exactly. Okay. So. 
my imago, my my computer chip went and found. So no, Penny's not exactly like my father. In fact, I figured he's a little bit more like my mother. But that's just the job that he was in, or that I was drawn to being attracted to, <clears throat> brought all those things back up for me. And so created the same dynamic. And now there's an opportunity um, to get it to 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 heal some of that. And again, it's really important when we say to heal, we're not healing as therapists because we're not each other's therapists. Just a quick brief break to share with you a message from our main sponsor, OKClarity.com. So OKClarity.com is the place for any Jew, no matter how religious you are, to find an excellent therapist, psychiatrist, coach, or nutritionist, and it's completely free for you to use. Their professionals are vetted. They have extensive experience working with the Jewish community. Yes, you can even find me there. I'm listed as one of their coaches. Um, I get many reach outs from people looking for a good therapist, and I always encourage them to check out okclarity.com because I know people have found therapists through this website and they are very happy with the therapist that they're using. So an important side note, if you are a wellness professional, I highly recommend joining their directory. Their team's amazing and I've received referrals from their platform and I'm sure that you will find the right fit for you. So go check out okclarity.com today. We're not each other's mashpia, we're not each other's rabbi, Rebetzin, and we're not each other's therapist. But as a spouse, I have an opportunity to hold space for the issues that, that you're dealing with and to help uh, heal in, in a spousal way, not in a therapist kind of way. Hmm. So it sounds like Imago's therapy is a lot about how to resolve conflict more it than is. anything else. It is. And to be fair, there are many modalities out there. You know, there's the Sue Johnson stuff. There's uh, uh, the Gottman stuff. I mean, and, and it's all one of And a lot of them kind of borrow, from, I think, borrow from each other or overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not the only way. But but Imago for us has really been a godsend. And I think also the the kind of structure that it gives to the marriage and how to handle conflict. You know, one of the interesting things, you know, when when you you hear lecturers talking about marriage or you hear podcasts about marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And people are listening and they are like, yes, yes, yes. And they and the, and the podcast ends and after they finish listening and they are ready to go, they're gung-ho, this is gonna happen and this is great. And then the next thing that happens is, well, how do we do this? Mm. So somebody says, when you, you have to really, really, really listen to your spouse, not just really listen to your spouse, you have to really, really, really. Well, how do you really, really, really listen to your spouse? How do you listen with empathy? What does that mean? It sounds great, but how do you do that? Hmm. And the thing that, that really impressed us about Imago is it says, here's how you do it, okay? Um, there's, there are steps, not always the most exciting, but there are steps to take. There's a structure. There's a structure. And it's very clear. And if you're both buying into it, uh, it obviously makes it easier. If you're not both buying into it, it may be a little bit more uh, uh, exciting. But um, but it, but it just it gives you the structure of how to go about doing these things, listening with empathy, really hearing your spouse. You know, not, not interjecting your own stuff, putting your ego aside, all those things that we hear, Amago says, here's how to do it. Hmm. Okay. Well, let me just share the basic foundational tool of Amago. So we're going to spell it out directly for people. And that is that 
we have something called the Imago Dialogue or it's compassionate communication. And we literally teach this tool and skills to couples. And my husband said he learned it in counseling. Yeah, when I, yeah, when I was getting my master's, that was the, 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 the thing they stress, really stressed the most uh, as far as hands-on things for a therapist is to be able to mirror back, to repeat back what the person is saying, whether it's literally word for word or to at least paraphrase. And again, that this is not unique to Imago. There are plenty of other modalities out there and whether it's in sales, whether it's in relationships, you know, right. whether it's with kids, you know, it's it's all out there. Um, active so, listening. Uh, active listening, so same works, idea, right. but there's a little bit more to it. Yeah, so for us, the training is that you actually ask for an appointment. Is now a good time for me to share a dialogue or an appreciation dialogue or a frustration with you? And so you ask for an appointment. And why that's so important is that just like you wouldn't go over and if someone's watching um, something on, they're watching a video, you don't go over and just change it or shut it off without asking, is it okay if I change that? You also don't just come over to somebody and start telling them all these things that are bothering you without giving a little bit of a heads up. So we ask- And asking permission you ask and them, respecting their time. That's right. So you ask, is now a good time? And hopefully they will say yes. If not, then they are meant to say yes within the next 24 hours. It would be very nice. That's what you're committed to when you agree to doing this kind of work. So we ask for an appointment. Is now a good time for me to share frustration? And think about this. I mean, we, we talk about all the time, the whole idea of meir shalt al-halev, right? The brain must rule the heart. When we are triggered, when we are angry, when we are reactive, okay, Usually we're not reacting with the, the, the most developed part of our brain. We're not, we're not reacting with our prefrontal cortex. We're, we're reacting with uh, the amygdala. Yeah. And by making the appointment, um, it's slowing everything down. It's allowing you to be a little bit more conscious and not just reactive. Uh, and it allows you to practice some of the basics of Judaism, like the mind has to rule the heart. Mm. So it also requires vulnerability in your part and saying like, I had a really long day today and I, I got a lot from my boss and I had a lot of hard day at work. This isn't such a good time for me right now. Yeah. Maybe after a good night's sleep and I'm a little bit more, you know, you know, calmer, I'm more, I'll be more open and receptive. Exactly. Okay. So yeah. that's step one is to make this appointment. What comes next? Right. And I want to just add to that. We actually believe the worst advice married couples get yeah let me guess yeah um don't go to sleep angry at each other you got it because when you're up at one two o'clock in the morning fighting about something you're bleary-eyed you're you know you're you're gonna say something that you're gonna regret oh yeah <laughs> you're just gonna say something that you you know nothing good happens at 2 a.m it just doesn't there's so an expression like, like that nothing good ever happens after 10 p.m Right. 10 p.m. Okay. Right. That's why I go to sleep better. at 9.30. I'm just exactly. <laughs> exactly. Even better. But you know what? It's like, listen, we love each other. Things will be okay. We'll work it out tomorrow. Let's get a good night's sleep. And usually you see things a little differently. And, and, again, and even if you're even if you're arguing, even if you're not saying I love you and I'm really upset right now, and there's a lot of like heated hard words between you or something, you could still resolve it in the morning. Like, it's okay. Like, you're going to make it. Yeah. You'll, 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 you'll talk about it the next day. So it's okay. I mean, you're saying it more like, oh, we'll talk about this. Like you're saying it as a calm way, but I'm saying if you're in a heated, there's something big that happened and you, it's, it's too late to bring it up and you're too tired. That's okay too. I, I mean, that's how I feel. I feel like it's just, it's okay. You can wait until the next day to, when you're both more regulated. and exactly. calm. What I would say that, to add to that is that 
I do think it's important to work on that within 48 hours because there's an issue of pushing something under the rug forever or for a year. That's a problem. So that would be better advice, but not that you have to take care of it immediately because you're tired and you're not going to be able to be your best self. Like you just said, you're not regulated. Right. But you don't want to push it off too much. That's what I'm saying. Right. Okay. And it's interesting. Something's coming up as you're speaking. Um, I noticed for a lot of people, and myself included, it seems that, you know, I'm married 23 years. It seems like you end up arguing about the same things in just different um, ways. So it's the same idea, but with like a different narrative, a different background, a different location, a different, you know, but it's 23 years of marriage and you're still arguing about the same things. That's something else that's coming up. I want to talk about a little bit, but I don't want to go off, off the list of what you're saying. Okay, well, and, and, well, Amago says that there's a reason why, because this is one of your primary, you know, wounds that, that you need to address. If, if this keeps coming up over and over and over again, if you're reacting, um, shall we say, off the bell curve of what, the, what, what normative reaction should be, that's a hint to you, or maybe a getting hit upside the head, as we say down south. Um, that you really need to you really need to address this. This is this is not just an incident, but there's a much much larger issue that that you have an opportunity to to uh, work on. Okay, let's let's go back to to the steps that you were speaking yeah. about. Okay, so we said create a That's time, a create a uh, appointment or a time to plan, and do not let more than forty eight hours pass before not without addressing it. What's next? Yeah, I really say twenty four. Okay, twenty four, not forty eight. Okay. okay. So the first step is asking for an appointment. And if the person is saying not right now, it would be very respectful and a great stretch for them to then say when would be a good time. Rather than these, making- are, these are like tools with with within fundraising. When somebody, when you ask the question, will you sponsor A, B, or C? And they say, Yeah, well, I need to think about it. Well, when's a good time for me to get back to you? Give it, you know, have give them a date and a time. Exactly. Okay. Well, we're trying to connect when we fundraise as well. As the... <laughs> right. <laughs> we're fun, we're friend raising, not just exactly. fundraising. You okay. Right. Absolutely. So ideally, let's show Rachel. Ideally, you're meant to sit. Now I learned because of my somatic training that doesn't work for every couple, but you're meant the way they teach you, ideally, is you sit face-to-face, knee-to-knee, and you actually share the dialogue looking into each other's eyes. I could see some guys having a hard time with that. So it's not easy for everybody. And we usually do it taking walks, to be honest. Right. And that's that's interesting because a lot of times they'll tell parents of teens, if you really want to have really good conversations with your kid, get in the car, especially those hard conversations. You're driving, so you're not looking eye to eye, Mm -hmm. but you're not distracted with anything else. And you really could, you're really talking. But again, that's not eye to eye. So, right. and so all I'm saying is it's something to work toward if possible. Okay. I had a couple come today and I said, do you want to try it? You don't have to. I told each of them they have choice and they both said they would try it. And the wife said, I don't think my husband's ever looked into my eyes for that long. And they're married a lot of years. And she was really like touched and happy and hopeful. So it's not something you have to do. And if it's very hard, I would say then don't do that right away. And you can do it taking a walk. But eventually you may want to try it on. Okay. So it's a goal. All right. So the body language and really focusing on one another. Okay. Right. And um, you, one of the, so one of the spouse is the receiver and one is the sender. And you want to be conscious as a, if I ask for the dialogue, that means I'm the sender. 
And I actually want to get intentional. And, you know, I do use my somatic tools here where we will get grounded and we will do a little bit of the feet seat back and breath that I did on the other podcast with you. We can refer back to that just to get some grounding, arriving, a little bit of breath and say it's fila to ask Hashem to bless this connection. Hmm. Really bring Hashem in. So we just take a moment and then we ask the receiver to go over the bridge and see the world through the, their spouse's eyes. So Penny's, let's say I would send, Penny's going to go over the bridge. And which means, right, which means I'm leaving everything from my perspective. I'm leaving that behind on the other side. And I'm walking over the bridge to Helenaville. Hmm. Okay. And I'm just going to look at everything from her perspective. So leave, leave Penny Town and come over to Helenaville. You got, you got it. it. You got it. Just but like, but like really, like really, like leave your suitcase there, your bags, your yeah. luggage, yeah. all so your So whatever snarky comments I might say in the middle mm. of, I might th- not say, but I might think of in the middle right. of a flight. Just leave it. It may come along. It may, but <laughs> hopefully it it, it, it'll stay. Yes, hopefully it can. Well, move. the more progressive, the more you practice this, yeah. the less snarky comments or snarky thoughts <laughs> there are. Okay. 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 Because there's more, this is the magic word we didn't share. What's the most important ingredient? I'm going to pause and just take a tangent here, Razel, but maybe you could answer. What do you think the most important ingredient for a marriage is? So I, I, I used to think it was just communication. And I've come to a belief that there needs to be mutual respect. Mm. So I, I, I can't say, I feel like it's a combination. Maybe you need to have good communication skills. That's going to be the one thing, in my opinion, that's going to bring about, a, really help you navigate and have a successful marriage. But I, I feel like if you there's respect, if there's mutual respect, mm-hmm. you can really get through anything. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? So the, it's very important. Both of those things are incredibly important. Imago, however, says that the most fundamental ingredient in a successful marriage is safety Hmm. if i feel safe yeah that is very true if i feel safe with my spouse then i'll have we'll have mutual respect yes better communication we'll be able to listen all of the other things that people typically say is the most important thing in a marriage will come from having safety if I don't feel that I have to protect myself, if I did something that offended Helena and I have to defend myself, there's no safety, there's no communication, there's no mutual respect. I'm just ducking until you know it's over and mm-hmm. vice versa. But if I feel safe, then- This is, this is true for parent-child relationships too. 100%. Because if, there's, if, you, if your child feels safe with you, all then, then everything else will come along with it. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yes, I agree with that. So, can you, can you can you for a second take a moment and tell us what it looks like to have safety in a marriage? What does that actually look like in a relationship? Okay, so when we sh- we're gonna are we gonna demo a dialogue? Sure, we do. yes, okay. please do. When we demo when we demo what the di- what this dialogue is like. I think you'll get a sense of what it is. But okay, just just as a sort of foreshadow a little bit. What it looks like is that I can mirror back what Helena has to say, even though I personally disagree with her 110%. Okay. I can say, I can, okay, that, that makes sense. Doesn't make sense to me, but, but you have a perspective. You're not like totally out of left field. There, there is a, you know, perspective here. 
You know, you know, Hillel can say like candles one, two, three. Shammai says no, it's eight, seven, six. Mm. You know, Hillel's not saying Shammai. You're like, you know, you just, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, it's 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 a different perspective. And the three magic words that happen after you mirror, after you repeat back what the person said, is to say, "Is there more?" When was the last time you were in a conflict kind of conversation with anybody? And said, yeah, tell, tell me more. I really want to hear more about that. Never. <laughs> okay, there you go. So that's what safety looks like. Because if I don't feel like I'm being attacked, I don't feel like I have to defend myself. I don't have to defend myself. All I have to do is experience what Helena is experiencing. You know, we talk about, we're really going off on a tangent. But we talk about one of the examples that we give is the Kruvin. Okay, so you have the Arna Kodesh and you have the two angels on, on, on either side of the Kruvim, and they are facing each other. And there are various explanations as to what they represent, Hashem and the, and the Yidden, uh, uh, children. So there's another explanation, male and female, and that they are facing each other. And what, what, what is between them, there's a space that's in between them. And what Amado says is, is that in a relationship, what we are trying to do is recognize that you are you, I am I, okay? But there's a space in between called our relationship. And I need to do things to, um, to, to better that, that space in between, okay? It's not that I'm losing my identity when I get married. I'm still me, and I have my own perspective. And Elena is still herself, and she has her perspective. You know, very often, or at least sometimes, Spouses view their, 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 their other half as an extension of them. And so if they don't agree with them, then their marriage is in shambles because you're an extension of me. So you have to agree with me. And that's not the case. So our goal is, you know, imagine a river is flowing through. You, you want to pour, you know, you don't want to pour toxins into, into it, you know, and toxins can include... Um, uh, body language, it can, use, it can include tone of voice, it can also include the words that we say. But there's a lot, a lot of toxins that we can put into a marriage. And when we feel safe, right, we can, we can hear what the other person has to say without feeling like, oh my gosh, how do I respond? How, you know, and, and, and the truth of the matter is, that's how we're trained. That's how we're trained in, in yeshiva. When we learn yeshiva, you know, you have a yeah, yeah you're, you have an argument in, uh, in, a, in a Gemara, right? You hold this, this one holds that, the Rashi said this, or that, or that, yeah, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So we're sort of trained in that type of argumentative way. But the truth of the matter is, if you look deeper, um, I was listening to Rabbi Waiwai, um, he, he gave a shir in Hecholzum, the Mamre Hecholzum. He said, uh, he was quoted, I forget where in the Gemara it says that, that, the Allah is like Beis Hillel because they always quoted Beis Shammai first. Hmm. And they were willing to hear what Beis Shammai said instead wow. of just respond. Hmm. Wow, okay. So, so let's so, get so, back to the dialogue. So okay. that's sort of what so hold on. So, so safety is number one. So safety, if I'm understanding, is really allowing the other person to share with you what it is that their their experience without you necessarily having to respond or defend or deflect, but rather like say, tell me more about this. What, what else is there that you want? Is there anything else that you want to share about this? 
Right. So the okay. other thing is that it's not about right and wrong. We go away from having to be who's right, who's wrong. It's about being connected. Okay. It's about the connection and it's about being a witness to my spouse's experience. So Penny could have rescued someone from a burning car, which he's done before, okay? <laughs> but he came late. It doesn't matter to me what he did and why it happened. He's late. I have a, an actual sensitivity to this lateness for things from my past. So right. he can be a witness to my experience that he actually did come late because I'm in pain from that. Doesn't matter the reasons. So when he knows that, then he can start stretching in. And there's there's a lot more to it. I'm, I hope we can get to it, but let's, we want to tell you about the, the dialogue steps. So okay. the first step is asking for permission is now good. a good time. Now a good time. Okay, then we go over the bridge and we want to make sure we're a good receiver and a good sender. What that looks like is um, a good sender would send things with kindness and softness. I statements. With I statements, right? I feel this, or this is what I'm experiencing. So we want to do it without a lot of negativity. And that's that's a big practice to learn how to do, to just lower the tone and the volume, to be able to say what you need to say without saying it harshly. So it's something to really work on. Um, and then we ask the um, receiver. receiver to listen by emptying themselves. So that I'm so if I commit to being a good receiver, I'm going to like you said, park my things over there while I'm over here in Pinnyville. Is that what we call that? Or Pinny yeah. Pinnytown, right? <laughs> so um, then we, I start sending and I want to send succinctly, not too long because Penny's going to mirror. So I'm going to say something that's frustrating and we can do a dialogue right now for you. So we're going to mirror, then we're going to validate and empathize. So the sender sends and the receiver is going to mirror back then they're going to validate and then they're going to empathize. We have one Explain that we- Explain what validate and empathize. You can give us an example. Go ahead. Go into We're the- do that right now. So okay. Is now a good time for me to share a frustration with you? If Razel says it is, yes, it's a good yes, time. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, when you came late- for dinner and I had dinner prepared with the kids and we were waiting for you and you had told me that we were going to eat dinner together. It was very hard for me. So what I hear you saying is that I came late when I came late and you had dinner prepared, the kids were ready to eat dinner and, um, and I didn't show up on time. Did I get you? Yes. Is there more? Yes, there always is. <laughs> <laughs> the more is that, um, you didn't call me to tell me you were going to be late. And I have, I was teaching, I'm a teach, I'm teaching a class and I didn't know what to do because the house was a mess and I just didn't know what I was supposed to do with myself. So what I hear you saying is that I didn't call you to tell you I was going to be late and you're teaching a class tonight. The house is not ready and you didn't know what to do. Did I get that right? Yes. Is there more? Yeah, I just either don't want to teach the class anymore, or I, I don't know, don't want to make dinner or something, but it's really didn't work for me. It's really not working for me. So what I hear you saying is that something has to give and either you stop giving the class or we'll have to figure something else out for dinner. You're not going to have, you don't have time to make dinner, uh, but you're not really sure what else to do. Did I get that right? Yes. Is there more? Not right now. 
So this, of course, never happened because we've never fought. Oh, sure. Yeah. But, <laughs> well, I actually feel never... like you guys have practices a lot. So you're very comfortable with how to say the, the back and forth. Absolutely. But, the, but what's coming up for me is I can see certain people saying, stop repeating, hello, like like getting frustrated mm-hmm. by the active listening. Yeah. Because as, as somebody who's trained as a coach, that's one of the things I've learned how to do to be an active listener and to you know repeat that paraphrase and bring it back to the person. But I find that with some people, and not all, because a lot of people love to hear it back. Most people's reaction is actually positive with this, but there are some people that have a hard time, like stop repeating what I said. Right. Right. So that'll happen, especially if they don't know what you're doing. Right. But if you've already agreed that you're going to go with the Imago program, it means that you're going to do some tor- some sort of training, repetition, paraphrasing, that you're going to repeat back what the person says. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two. So how's it working for you? Your way. Is it really working for you? Maybe that's why you're coming to me because it's not working for you. So why don't you try a different way? And why don't you just suspend what you don't like and check it out, see what happens. Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe something can work. So what I'm hearing you say is that in this case, like if you're have if you have heads up about what's happening and you've been you're going for a training and you're doing this as part of like a practice within you're both committed to this, you know what you're getting into. You're going to be less. You might be skeptical, but yes. you're 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 get you're you're giving it you're giving it your best. There's a tacit agreement here that I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm 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 in I'm doing the program. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna check this program. And also, uh, Razel, like I thought I could use this with my kids when they were younger and. What I realized was they didn't want to be mirrored because they weren't, we weren't, we weren't asking permission. We were just trying it on them. And instead I started to mirror in my head. I just mm-hmm. mirrored them in my head and I validated. They never said they didn't like validation. Okay. So we can validate people. We can mirror in our, and, and if a spouse doesn't like the mirroring, you can mirror it in your head and just see if you can really get it. What we learned from the study of the brain is that the brain loves slowing down. The brain loves structure and it will calm the amygdala to hear back um, what they said. What they said. So it really, but I, but yeah, but I didn't hear any validation. I didn't hear any. We're not, done we're not there. Yet. We're oh, not okay. there. We okay. only did step one. Okay. So that was step one. Great. That was step okay. One. okay. Now right. we're going to step two. Okay. You're not being critical or anything. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me try to validate. I'm hearing you say that you might <laughs> think that I'm being critical here. Is there more? <laughs> not now. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. <laughs> We're going to go now to stage two, and that's validation, step two. And there's different ways to do validation. This is the way we like doing it. Right. Okay. It makes sense that you would want to tell me this because I came home late. Um, and I didn't call to tell you I was going to be home late. And you do have a class tonight. Um, and the house isn't ready, and the kids need to eat. And um, it makes sense that with all of these responsibilities, if uh, I'm not coming home on time, that something is going to have to give, whether it's the class or the dinner or whatever it is, something's going to have to give. Mm-hmm. Did I get you? Yes. I felt okay. really good. So that's validation. I'm, I'm not excusing myself. I'm admitting it. Yeah, I did come home late. And again, like Helena said, it doesn't make a difference why. So I could just cut her off and say, I just pulled a guy out of a burning car. Come on, give me a, cut me some slack. Yeah, but what about the 30 times before that, you know, I didn't pull a person out of a burning car. So 
um, it's 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 again. I may I may feel justified. Okay, it might be I was in the middle of friend raising, right, and uh, lost track of time. And you know, the only way you could afford dinner is if I do the fundraising. So, <laughs> right, and and that's the way you know the good old fashioned. That was our old way. And the yes. good old fashioned spitting contest going on, right? And that doesn't it doesn't work. So um, I'm going to be I'm going to be vulnerable for here for a moment and say so uh, maybe I'm just skipping ahead. I did hear validation. I didn't hear ownership, and like I love ownership. Like mm-hmm. I need the people that wronged me to tell me that that must have been so hard for you. And th- this th- being late, I know when people come late to my appointments or when I, when I'm in this situation, it is really tough for me. So I get you, like, I heard you validating, but I didn't feel okay, that. Not there yet. Okay. Am I going ahead? Yes. Step three. Oh, okay. <laughs> I really don't have a lot of patience. He's being critical I- again. Elena. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not so, being critical. I'm trying know, to understand, I know, I know, I know. but I am going okay. ahead. Of t- I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm so, sorry. Okay. I, I just I need a lot know, of validation. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know that empathy is necessarily going to be exactly what, what speaks to you in, in okay. the way that you're describing it. This is a way of doing it. Um, and I think that, again, everybody has to sort of tailor it to their, to their needs and how it works for them. So would, would a spouse be able to say, when you're learning the training for this, could they say something like, for me personally, I need my spouse to say, I'm sorry, or be more, be more, not only validating, but be more um, forthcoming with understanding and being, and saying something to the effect of, I would also be upset if, if I was in your shoes, or I can get how difficult it is. And the kids are off, they're, they're so tired. And now you're, you don't even want to give a right. class at this point, your, your energy's gone. Right. So, so that's actually another way of doing the validation. It's not the way that I like doing it, but the, it, I think the what's the yeah, stem is more like it makes uh, you make you make sense. And what makes sense is, okay, that when you have things to do, you're expecting for things to run on time, and 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 not me be, uh, and that I be helping you, and not be another a cog in in the wheel that that's. Um, that's that's hindering you right I guess the word I'm looking for is normalizing it I want to feel that this is a normal like what my reaction here is normal like I'm not crazy this crazy wife that's saying like why are you 10 minutes late look at me but actually wouldn't you have the same issue if I was late and you had to go take care of the kids and you had to go give a class like I want that I guess I want to be I want it to be normalized for me um actually that's an advanced type of dialogue that I actually because they keep tweaking it as Harville Henderson his wife Helen who made this Amago, they they tweak it. They even wrote a new book. They realized that they were not getting it all. They wrote another book called Receiving Love. Mm. Okay, another whole book. They actually almost got divorced. <laughs> so they had to go to their own therapist they train and do it over again. They were the hardest clients, they said, and they realized there were things that were missing. And maybe like what you're saying, Razel, is that the advanced form would be, you know what? I really do get you. And you know what? I would feel the same way. And those are the kind of things you can add in validation. Okay. Many, okay. many times Penny has said, Elena, you are not crazy. He said that, but not yeah. always the first second. It sometimes takes right. time. That was in. Yeah. We're going to do, we're going to teach you the third stage but, now. But, but sometimes you, it, it, you know, you, you think that the person is being unreasonable. And, and when you, okay, do, that's the true. When right. you do the validation, you do want to try and be as honest as you possibly can. So, you know, there's that element as well. 
So now we're going to go to the third part, and that's called empathy. Empathy is feeling words. I imagine that you feel without any Megillas, any Pedas, any commentary, any Pirushim. It's not simply why. not why you feel this way. I imagine that you feel, and you just say the words. I imagine that you feel resentful, um, that you feel secondary, um, unimportant. Mm -hmm. um, angry, um, tired. Mm -hmm. So it's the sad, mad, glad. Well, just type, ask if that's it. Did, did I get that? Yes, and I feel also disrespected. Mm, so you feel, and I'm going to marry that. So you feel disrespected. That's right. So now. So now, thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. And there you go. And that's what a dialogue looks like. So I like that it's called a dialogue. It's not like it's just not a two monologues. It's a, actually a monologue. Yes, is really what it is. It's no, not, that's no, it's thing. actually not a monologue. It's a dialogue, right? It really is a dialogue. I think most times that people have conversations, there are two monologues going yes, on, right. and they're bumping up against each other from time to time. Okay, and I think that's what now I understand a little bit more why. I think your answer really helped me understand this: the idea that there's going to be times where you don't understand the partner where you're not going to be able to say, I get it. I've been in that situation. There's times where you're like, what are you talking about? How is this difficult for you? Right. Like, this is not a challenge because for me, it may not be a challenge. And yes. in those moments, you still need to show up for that partner and you need to be able to validate them. So I guess that is where this approach is coming from. So that, that makes sense right. to me. That's yeah. right. And I want to tell you something that's so beautiful about this. When Let's say Penny decides he's going to, that's another chapter, that's another part of the Amaga we teach. It's called the um, gifting the relationship of change. But what we learned is that when you really dialogue and you're sincere about it, the change starts to happen organically. You don't have to necessarily have another whole tool on how to do a behavior change request or a gifting the relationship of change. It starts to happen organically. And the beauty is that when, let's say I asked Penny to be on time, so if he stretches to meet my need, he now looks like a good husband, right? Because he's doing what I need. But that's not the only thing that's happening. You are either stretching to help heal your spouse. And while you do that, you actually become the best version of yourself. So Penny maybe has an issue with being on time. Maybe. So he's now becoming more of what? Um, more responsible. Right, more responsible, more on time, more menschlich. So he's not just meeting my need to make me feel good. The exact thing that I need is the hardest thing for Penny to give, but when he stretches to do that, he becomes his best version of himself. And the other way around too, like for, for and when we have dialogue, when Penny's frustrated, he asks me to cut him slack. All he wants is for me to cut him slack because stuff from happened from whatever happened in his past brought that on that that's something he desires, right? Sure. So when he asks me to cut him slack, guess what? I'm not just being a good wife. I'm actually being the best version of myself, which is to be a more chilled, more relaxed, more patient person. Cause that's what I need for my tikkun in this world. So it helps <laughs> you, it helps you stretch yourself. But going back to the dialogue for one minute, I have a question. There was no um like there was no moment where you said, well, going further, where anybody made a commitment about the future. There was no like, well, what about next time? How are we going to navigate this approach when we have another disagreement 
or how do we actually make sure this doesn't happen again? There was just a there was just a dialogue there. So that's what I was saying before. There was no Kabbalah ala Asid. Right. That's what I was I mean. saying before. There's another tool in our toolkit called gifting the relationship with change or a behavior change request. And it's mm. it's pretty fun. It's I mean, it could be fun. It's um <laughs> challenging, but you don't always need it. Like we did do that a lot at the beginning when we were learning the tools, and I can explain to you what it is. What I'm trying to say is it's more than that. When you become more connected, when you're more compassionate, when you realize this is not just something that Penny's upset about or that I'm upset about, but it literally is healing a frustration from my childhood. And he doesn't see me as the enemy, but he sees me as a person that wants to support each other in um, kindness and compassion. We start naturally becoming the person and doing for the person that they need or want naturally. Right. So it's what I'm hearing you say is it's not necessarily about the situation that the, you know, you were upset that he was late, but it wasn't the late that was really the crux of what's going on here. There was something underlying that's going on. And that when we create these dialogues, we're having safety and then we are having conflict resolution. And so already a lot of that has been deflated. A lot of that is taken exactly. away and now, and now we can move forward. And there's, there's been a lot of healing that's going on without even coming to some kind of resolution about how are we going to deal with this next time we're really kind of that's really a symptom of right. the deeper problem right and like there there may be secondary and there may be another there you may have to have another dialogue like okay now how are we gonna, what are we going to do next time how are we going to do this because mm -hmm. we, this can't keep happening and believe me i have still been late a few times since we the yeah, first time we that's had this not dialogue. an issue anymore right because we've resolved it because of over time, it's become just more organic for us. And what I meant by secondary is if just what you said, Razel, did you hear when Penny was mirroring me, um, sorry, empathy, and he was saying, I imagine you feel secondary. Mm. That was the core issue. Not that he came late, but that I felt unimportant and secondary. Mm. I didn't feel primary. Make sense? Yeah. But wouldn't it be, even more effective if we learned to actually say through these dialogues, actually what my real issue here is, is that I feel disrespected. Don't feel respected. And this is something that I struggle with this in this relationship. I don't feel respected by my spouse. Then versus like keeping on making it about these little you know, moments. Well, you spoke before me, or when that guest came over, you didn't, you know, you didn't ask my opinion. So like all these little things that are really the crop all right. boil down to respect and you feeling disrespected. Right. What, I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering, shouldn't we be focusing so on becoming was, vulnerable enough to actually say what truly is our. Absolutely. And that is another part of the, of Imago is deepening the dialogue. Mm. Um, and, and where you say, and it reminds me of when I was 10 and this was yes. the situation, this scenario, and you know, and I'm going and it takes me back to that time and I'm feeling the same emotions of being unimportant. And yeah. there is a way of deepening, of deepening the the dialogue uh, by saying, and this reminds me of a time as a child and how this and describe that scenario. And that would be a way of, of bringing that in. And what it does is it helps the receiver and the, the, the spouse really understand you so much more in, in a much, much deeper way. And it creates, hopefully, more compassion and understanding 
of what this what what they're going through and why this is so vital and why it's so important. That to you, it's like you come late, you come late. What's the big deal? But for them, it's it's you know it's it's, it's so vital. I'm wondering also if the because of the practice, if you keep on it, when you say it deepens it, I'm wondering if all of these different practicing of these dialogues will eventually bring about the ability to deepen the conversation where you'll start to be actually come up and actually talk about the deeper things versus the symptoms or the smaller things that are there. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things also that we, that really drew us to Imago is that it really gets to the source of the issue as opposed to like you call the symptoms, you know, you know, but I mean, there are times a couple I'm doing, I'm doing a couple, can you believe he said that? And I go, given your relationship, I sure can. Absolutely. Yes. I would be shocked if he didn't say that. Or right. if, if he didn't do that. Yeah. I can absolutely believe it. That makes sense. Yeah. So can you share a success story from working with couples in Imago using this method, how they were, they were able to improve the relationship or something that you can share from any of these experiences? Absolutely. And I, I guess I'd like to preface with um, how important it is. You know, people say, well, it's just good. That is the perfect time to learn these tools. It's like mm -hmm. you don't start exercising when, you know, the doctor says, you know, you, you know, you've got this, that and the next thing. You, you start doing it when you're in relatively good health. And, you know, so many times the Rebbe, you know, when somebody was doing cancer research or something like that, and the Rebbe's response, most times, I can't say every time, but very often the Rebbe's response was preventative care. And yes. so when it comes to marriage, it's the same thing. Why wait till you're, in, till you're a mess to get help? When literally an ounce of prevention is, is, is worth a, a, a pound of cure. So an example. So an example. We had one couple we were working with, and, the, you know, the husband um he's he's a he's a tough guy he's a tough guy and and when they did the dialogue he said and they've been married for more than a decade he he said this is the first time i really feel like she heard everything that i was saying hmm. now the reason was because she felt somewhat safer okay most of the time she's probably just trying to protect herself so how can you hear somebody if you're trying to protect yourself so that was that was that was one. I mean, we've had yeah, you know, we're teaching this course, mm -hmm. and there's these 15 couples taking our online course. And after the first class, somebody said to me, I haven't felt this safe in all the years of my marriage, just learning the concept of safety and learning that that is something that is so important. And um, you know, so that's so so um humbling to be able to help people with that, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Question uh, question is coming up for me. First of all, um, I noticed that I, I think that people have a hard time. We think that you only can go to marriage uh, counseling or anything when you're having struggles, you're having issues. But like, I like what you said that, you know, all of us can gain from this kind of approach or practicing something like this in a workshop or learning the method here. I'm curious, what do you think about like couples that are, you know, getting married? Like if you did such a workshop for couples that are like engaged or just newly married, well, maybe not engaged because within our circles, it's a little different, but like in the first year of marriage, because we see, we do see a lot today that couples are, you know, divorces are happening more frequently. I think there's, there's an idea that 
and I'm not judging there. I think that divorce, there's a place we, in Yiddishkeit for divorce as well. I'm saying that, that mm -hmm. there needs to be a time and if that happens, it's happening, but I'm just wondering if that could be something that, you know, young couples can be really gaining from. So I, um, when we trained in Imago as becoming educators, they actually have an entire, this is not a Jewish program. Now there were Jew, that our curriculum we teach is written by a rabbi, but Imago is not a Jewish concept. So they have many different modalities and there is a premarital Imago pr program. Hmm. I'm not sure how that would work in our circles, but right. I do believe that it would be amazing if couples within the first year would do this program and would learn. Yeah. It is seriously beyond why not just like you have kala classes and hasan classes yeah that it needs to these concepts can be taught and then they can learn them before marriage although a lot of them are such this is what i was going to talk to you about there are three stages in every relationship and i actually am working with um you know a kala right now in in my somatic work and i i don't want to burst her bubble yeah. because she's in the romantic phase we finish each other's sentences and, right. you know all that kind of so, so yeah there is something there is something important that if i would have known this it would have caused me a lot less heartache and that is that there are three stages in every relationship so the first stage is the romantic phase that doesn't mean we don't have romance later but there's a romantic phase of relationship when you are drawn to the person and the endorphins are released and you basically look and feel like you're on drugs because of all of the hormones that are released. Right. So that's the romantic phase. And it lasts usually zero to 18 months, I guess zero because not everybody experiences it and they still decide to get married. Correct. But mm -hmm. most people, when you say, Oh, the Hassan and Kala, I don't know. They don't even see me. I'm standing in here. La La Land. They don't call us back. They didn't write their thank you notes, whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, so that's the romantic phase. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. And we want that because Hashem puts us with all these great um, chemical hormones so that we can choose to actually get married and have a taste, the elixir of the geula of what's possible. We get a taste of it. Right. And then what happens next? And then comes stage number two. And that's what's called the conflict stage. Or? or power struggle the power struggle yes the power struggle and um that is a fascinating stage where whatever it was that attracted you to the person is now the thing that drives you crazy so helena is looking for more of a laid-back guy right hello you got the right guy right 18 months later is like anything did you make it no, I used to tell him, can you be type A just for one hour? Just be type A for one hour, okay? Mm -hmm. You get what we're saying, Razel? Yes, totally. Okay. okay. So that's the power struggle stage. And okay. some people stay in it forever. It's sad. Or they start living parallel lives. Hmm. Um, but parallel lives means, again, they intersect only, let's say, when it comes to the kids or whatever else it is. But they're not really in a very connective Right. Kind of relationship. And then stage three, if you can get past the power struggle, you have the conscious love stage or enchantment stage where you can see your spouse is different than you, and yet you can accept them. They're not, they're not you. They have separate needs and wants, and you're looking toward each other as separate individuals where you can nurture and support each other 
and have see all the warts and all the things that were, you know, not necessarily what you were hoping or were perfect or for, and yet you're accepting the other person. You're not them and they're not you. Hmm. So they're both valid. They're both valid. So those are the three stages. And what's really fascinating, I brought my props for you, Razel, is what happens in relationship is that usually we have a turtle and a hailstorm, or they change it to turtle and tiger. Okay, I have my little stuffed animals here for people listening. Um, and they marry each other. So Not always. most of the time, minimizers and maximizers, like today I had a couple and, you know, she could write down 30 things that she wants in her marriage vision and he could say three. So that's, that's what happened. That's what happened to us. I wrote 30 things down that I would like in our relationship vision. It's one of the things we teach. And Penny wrote down three right <laughs> so that's normal that's just the way it goes and he eked out a few more right and we combined them and we made um, a joint vision but turtles and tigers marry each other and that means that um when the tiger when the turtle doesn't feel safe the turtle goes into their shell and they don't want conflict that has to do with the fight flight freeze so a turtle will flee and run from conflict or freeze. or freeze and the tiger will create conflict and try to get the turtle to come out and the more they try to get the turtle to come out the more the turtle stays in their shell or comes out begrudgingly and not authentically so hmm. the way we navigate the turtle and the tiger is the dialogue because hmm. it creates safety exactly and eventually what what we find is that very often the turtle comes out and becomes a little bit more tiger-ish and the tiger becomes a little bit more turtle-ish and you know so so you you can you know which rolls a little bit right? yes, yes we each are meant to learn from the other and what's interesting also is that what do you what happens when you have a tiger who marries a tiger yeah, yeah that's hard <laughs> the sparks are flying <laughs> usually though one will be a little less tiger than the other yes <laughs> it, yeah usually and and with two turtles Sorry, somebody actually we, we, yeah, we, we, we uh we, we did a lecture um here in south florida about it and somebody texted me later like what if you're two turtles I said well you're gonna have to figure out a way to dialogue some because the, the fear is that you end up in parallel lives and with without shared experiences and and things like that it i mean that's kind of the glue that that really holds uh, a relationship together you know they I, there was a time i don't know if it's still the case but they said that the 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 most in in the secular world the most common a year for a divorce is the first year, and the second most common is 25th year, because wow. that's when the kids go off to college. Right now they're alone in the house, and, and they've been so they they've only interacted through the kids or through other things that they don't have a real relationship, and that's why it is so vital. The, one of the biggest kid, gifts that you can give your kids is to work on your marriage. Absolutely. Two more, I, I wanna finish off with another question. What, is it possible for one spouse to be very skeptical and say, I'm not interested in this, I'm not coming, I'm not doing this. But another spouse may say, this sounds so interesting. I'm gonna try this, I wanna do this. Would it be effective for one person to try this? I mean, would it have any impact or do you need both people to be on the same page? Well, you know what? I had this question before. I had a woman really uh, heard us lecture and wanted to do it and her husband wasn't interested. So I actually did the, I did the exercises with her. 
like a practice I, I practiced with her I mirrored her as if I were him and she felt so good yeah she felt so good so I kind of played that role for her and, um you know she didn't laugh she didn't I don't know what's happening with her now but she did feel better so I do think that there are possibilities and if the person starts doing the work themselves then if they are starting to mirror and validate with them not knowing maybe validate and like you said Razel say it in their own words then if there are other spouse the spouse's guard is lowered or there's more safety they may be willing to then come and do the work yeah I agree I mean I think that you know there's this there's, there's a certain script that goes on that you were saying whatever you fought about the first year of marriage you fought you fight about the 20th year of marriage yeah again the 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 the, the situation is different but it's basically the same idea um, when somebody changes their part of the script, it will automatically force the other person to change in some way. It'll, it might take longer, but I, I, again, there's no guarantees and I'm not going to promise going to happen hundred percent of the time, but I think if you change the, the, the script in some way, it's going to create a different reaction from the other person. And then hopefully if the person has a rov, a mashpia, or someone who they look up to that that they can talk to and say, listen, you know, like Helena, I had an issue that we were dealing with, and I really wasn't wanting to do anything about it. And she said, you know what? Find a rov. Talk to a rov about this. Talk to your mashpia about this. So, you know, you have to have a mashpia too, which is another one. There's no mashpia good enough, right? Everybody's like that. Right, right. Whatever, right. And you did do that. <laughs> and I did do that. And Thank God, everything you know it did it did resolve in a in a very positive right. way. Right. Um, well, well, I think it's the idea, you know, the whole idea of reflecting the other person. When we, you know, you can really change a relationship by one person changing, it can impact the relationship. So yeah. if you're learning, you know, how to conflict, how to better better conflicts, or to how to resolve conflicts, or how to dialogue, it will impact the other person. I mean, obviously, and I do want to say that that's when you're dealing with a healthy person. If it's somebody who, God forbid, is a narcissist or you're in a really unhealthy or unsafe marriage, right. then probably not. Yes. yes. And that that obviously we're talking in, in generalities, but right. there are specific situations where it, it may not work well. Um, right. You know, there are other other avenues that you have to pursue. For right. Sure. I want to finish off with one final question that I ask all of my um interviewees or all of the people all the guests on my show so what is something that you knew really well about imago and this topic of marriage that you changed your opinion on maybe before you started this process or even during or after or after years of experience what is something that you thought you knew really well about this but you kind of changed your opinion on about this um i think for me it, it's really um the whole concept of safety in a marriage like I didn't, I, I didn't, you know, I mean, I knew, yeah, you have to be able to get along and, but, but I think having safety and, and the importance of that and how it, how it manifests itself and how you develop that, I think to me really um, w w was eye-opening for me and how important, how important that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Helena? For me, I really thought I knew this work and I studied it and I even trained to teach it. And then all of a sudden in the middle of the training, I realized I had an aha moment when I wasn't doing something right. I thought I was, I thought that when it was my turn, I could share however I wanted to. It's my turn. I hold the, I'm the sender. And I was missing the boat that I didn't realize I need to send it in a calmer way, in a nicer way, in a 
safer way. So less I tigery. Right, less tigery. Right. And I really feel like I was specific about that. And it still worked and still helped us. But as soon as that clicked, it changed everything so that um, Penny became even more comfortable. And now Penny's willing to come forward and tell me things that he doesn't always like. When it was always me, almost most of the, 90% of the time, I was asking for dialogue. And now Penny will sometimes ask for dialogue, right? Yeah. I'm guessing that you're the tiger. He's the... the you got yeah. it. In this Good. relationship, what's fascinating is, is that yes. in one relationship, you might be the tiger right. and, and the other person is the turtle. But and like in a different relationship... You right. may be the turtle. So it right. just depends. The other thing I think that really spoke to me is this whole idea of the space in between and understanding how we gift the relationship and how what that the way that we can contribute to nurturing that that the space in between. And am I doing right now at this moment, if I take a snapshot of this moment, am I doing something that is creating more safety in my relationship? Is, is the space in between healthy or am I pouring toxins into the space in between? And I think when, if we can stop and ask ourselves that question periodically, I think that that, that will elicit um, healthier responses and, and, and more positive ways of, um, mm. of interacting. Right. So I love I, that. Well, I just want to thank you both um, for being so vulnerable and open about your own relationship and talking about it. Um, I think it, it normalizes it for people. People need to be more comfortable talking about relationships and our struggle because everyone does. There's no one on this planet that's not struggling in some form. Even if you have a wonderful relationship, there's conflict and conflict arises. And um, if people want to um, attend one of your workshops or perhaps reach out for coaching or whatever it is that they look for and you know, kind of train themselves or through a workshop, through whatever way that you offer, how can they get in touch with you? Definitely, um, they can text me or WhatsApp me. I'll um, keep that in the show notes. I will put that information. Yeah, in the show so, notes. and Penny also his yourself too. Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So I will include that in the show notes. So if anybody's interested in attending a workshop or finding out when the next workshop is being launched, or you know, learn about imago therapy and find out if it's something that you can use in your life um it will be in the show notes again i want to thank you so much for being here tonight and um for your time thank you for having us thanks right? so much for having such us. an honor thank you